music, audio gear, and anything else that crosses our minds. I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. And welcome to the Hareton Audio Podcast. So this week, Pilot has dropped a collaboration with singer from the Midnight, Tyler Lyle, and it is very, very good. And it's good for all the reasons you'd expect. It's a nice synthwave combination. It's fresh because, you know, you're very, you get very used to hearing Tyler with the Midnight. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound like the Midnight. And it doesn't not sound like the Midnight because obviously Tyler brings so much to the table with it being his sort of songwriting and vocal delivery. But Time um, Pilot, sorry, takes a completely different approach with Time Bomb especially in the choruses and the outro section. And it's it's just a really, really good sort of synthwave dance track. And um, the way they do like this, they, they sort of break it down into just an instrumental like beat, just a pulsating dance floor beat uh, about two thirds of the way through. And I don't know why, it's just that it's got that funky element that just makes you want to listen to it over and over again. Uh, and it's really, really cool the way the track builds and then it just breaks it right back down to just like bass and drums and then you just you just groove it on that. It sort of starts out really, really dreamy with like half time, like loads of really nice keyboards, very soft sounding keys and arpeggios. And then it sort of builds with this uh, big sort of guitar swell into just a, a power chord, heavy drop. And, uh, and Tyler's going for it as well. And it's just really nice. It's really cool. Yeah, and Pilot's been using that that type of um, sort of like guitar sounding drop, you know, like that. Like it, all the drops seem to sound like something you could play on guitar, like in the, like a riff format. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I think that's fair. I think um, he's used uh, like the, the classic sort of guitar synth sound as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very occasionally. But um, Pilot's quite an interesting artist because he's sort of he started out on monster cat which is traditionally a lot more of a dance heavy label associated his, with a lot of gaming like rocket league as well monster yeah, cat. Yeah. if you don't know uh they you know it's a, they're everywhere like you hear monster cats music from beat saber rocket league there's just a, almost every game soundtrack seems to particularly rhythm games like a lot of like um underground rhythm games that aren't as popular tend to have a lot of Monster Cat songs on because clearly they're very good at getting those sync deals well, with games companies. They know as well that if you play a game, and like a game like Beat Saber, you've only got like 20 songs to play sometimes. If one of them is a Monster Cat song, chances are you might, if that's one that you gravitate towards, you're going to listen to that song. But yeah. he has made a very, very steady pivot into sort of doing more synthwavy cyberpunk sounds, which is very fascinating because you're sort of looking at somebody a bit like the Midnight themselves, who start and, and Gunship, who start outside of the genre and are sort of like going into synthwave with experiences that aren't necessarily, you know, synthwave is the first thing they start making. You know, they're coming from like different backgrounds be it rock or folk or, you know, dance, they're, they're coming at it with a different angle. So I find that very fascinating how synthwave is a sort of genre that people sort of from other fields are like, I want to I wanna do that. I think it's a more of a melting pot genre though because synthwave is one of very few genres I can think of where a rock guitarist can step into it as easily as like a house producer. That's and- very true. 
there's very few genres I can think of where you can have such a broad stroke because it's so versatile. Like we said on our synthwave only um, episode that you can sort of do anything with it. And I think that's why you hear a lot of like pop artists utilizing the synthwave sort of sound set, even if it's not directly derived from synthwave, maybe it might be a producer or whatever. That's like, let's do a little bit of this. And it just appears that way to the audience or it appears to that, it appears that way to anybody who already is familiar with synthwave. If you're not familiar with synthwave as a term, you're just going to think it's 80s revival. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. But, you know, if you listen to synthwave, you know what to listen for. But obviously synthwave is like uh, always changing like any genre. So it gets harder to pick out, you know, you, you have the, your staples of synthwave in a lot of these tracks but um, a lot of them sort of pivot in different directions. So it can be harder to think of it as like traditionally, you know, like safe synthwave. Obviously, a lot of these artists that we're talking about are like on the fringes of the synthwave sound set. They are, but they also, Gunship and The Midnight sort of encompass the more mainstream element of synthwave, which is really bizarre as well, because like you say, they're really, in reality, they are fringe artists in the genre. But I suppose when you think about a lot of genres, a lot of the people who are doing something different tend to rise more popular because they've got a hook that other more generic artists don't sort of sell. If you know what I mean, that's why you tend to have, I'm trying to think of an example, but I mean, like, even with a lot of, like, the classic rock bands, you tend to have people who are going off on, going out on a limb, like, say, Eddie Van Halen with his tapping or whatever, that nobody else was doing, that they then popularise and then, in, people copy that band so then it retroactively it seems like they are the band like you say the midnight their debut uh ep and then album with our days of thunder and endless summer they sort of retroactively reinvented synthwave to a lot of people and what you listen to and what you associate with synthwave i would agree yes probably yes, yeah. bringing the saxophone element into synthwave a lot more than it was there before because i mean somebody would have probably had a saxophone before the midnight but saxophone and synthwave is the midnight is the first artist i think of the earliest artist i think of as well i think they definitely they definitely popularized it and made it like they made it like a, a thing where people are like Where's the saxophone solo? You might want to bring a new song out. Yeah, yeah. You're and, uh, waiting for it. You expect it almost. Speaking of, you've got these exact same situations happening with Gunship, who's dropped their um, unbelievably good album, Unicorn, which is actually, as we speak, eight on the UK official album chart, which is it's pretty good. crazy. Crazy for for... I don't want, when I say it's crazy for an artist like Gunship, it's not that I'm trying to say that they shouldn't or can't be there, but it's just unexpected to see that that album could be like it's one below Carly Minogue. Yeah, and you would say that Gunship are, well, they're an independent pretty much band. They're, they're counterculture, though, I would have said. Like, I mean, Gunship more so than bands like The Midnight because they have that very cyberpunk, very sci fi aspect to them mm. they just come across as so niche that it's hard to imagine so many people having the same interest particularly you know I mean? when gunship get virtually no radio support in the uk yeah and a lot of the artists they're going up against in the chart battle are just thrashed on commercial radio and like public 
Public radio? Radio One? What would it's public radio, isn't uh, it? I'd just say radio yeah, one. Well, radio one <laughs> I'm not, I, I think it's I wanna say it's public. I'm I've never really thought of it like that. Public radio to me sounds like independent, like local radio. That that to me is public radio. Yeah. I or would national say, radio, I, I suppose. Do you know what I was just Even though say, it's the same type of word, national, national radio. radio sounds better. But yeah, that's what's interesting. Obviously, they've got Lights and Tim Capello's back, and they've got so many featurings on Unicorn as an album. Um, they've got Milky Way from Wargasm, which is really, it doesn't seem like a good fit until you listen to the song. Uh, I didn't know who Wargasm was until after I listened to Monster in Paradise, which we sort of discussed on Listen to Wave episode two. And then, obviously, uh, they've also got returning featurings like... Um Charlie Simpson from Busted and um or should I say let's let's credit him Charlie Simpson from Fight Start no, from both and then um Stella LePage joins again she's done one on every every album but what's really good about Empress of the Damned which has Lights and Tim Capello on is Lights sort of is I, I, we was quite familiar with Pep from from Lights and that was yeah, a yeah. really really good like I won't say it's an EP isn't it it's, it's an, an album is it a full album it's an album yeah um it's really good anyway Oh yeah, I only I don't know why I only remember having five songs. I wonder if that's because I was listening to it pre-release. But that's really, really good. Like it had some really good songs. Yeah, in on. my head and okay, okay, isn't it? If you scroll down for me, oh, money in the bag's pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So yeah, those songs they're like the singles. Yeah, obviously they're um, really good. And it was because when you're looking at like the announcement of Unicorn as an album. It's like, okay, so Lights is going to be on it. Well, what's she going to do? And uh, she absolutely crushes it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's well worth checking out. You'll hear some uh, very strange lines that you're not used to hearing in normal songs. Yeah, um, it's it's the sort of album you want to have the lyric tab out for. Yeah, If, if it's even there yet on, I mean, on some of the streaming services. You'd say that Unicorn and Gunship as an artist are, are pretty concept-driven, really. There's, yeah. It's not about them in the band. It's all, you know, like rooted in that cyber well cyberpunk sort of well it's more cyberpunk than anything else isn't it the general Definitely. the general world that the three gunship albums are sort of like set in it's it's a mixture of cyberpunk and sci-fi both being the same as each other because um technoir you know it's all a big terminator reference it's it's also, Terminator. <laughs> it's really interesting with Tech Noir too because you very rarely get a literal sequel. Like you'll get spiritual sequels of songs, but you to to have a Tech Noir and a Tech Noir two is really satisfying. They should they should like popularize this. Like you have a big hit. Like Bastille, Pompeii. Where's Pompeii too, lads? That's what I think. Well, they've sort of done Pompeii in a dozen different arrangements. Yeah, yeah, haven't but they, they haven't made a sequel. They've made a lot of remakes, but not a sequel. And I think that the idea, like, you, you, you're happy to see sequels in movies, in most media. Um, you know, it's a given in almost all television format. And games and... yeah. Well, pretty much anything, really. So why not? Why not have a sequel song for people's most popular songs? I think it, I think it's a bizarre, but also... Like, it's more bizarre that it's not a thing, because, like we say, it's... it's. I mean, even, like, hardware and controllers and consoles... A phone. Graphics cards, they all have sequels. They yeah. all have... Phones, cameras, uh, mouses. 
mice, sorry. <laughs> Guitar pedals, everything. So why yeah. why would you not have a song, have a sequel? You know, that there's so many songs come out a day. You know, like, what was it, like 100,000, something insane? Uh, 100,000 songs hit Spotify, according to the CEO of, C- uh, of CD Baby. Um, that's like a relatively new what, stat. What percentage of these songs are sequels to existing songs? That's what I want to know. I suppose the argument comes in to, I mean, this argument's out the window anyway, if 100,000 songs hit a platform every day. But the argument is, is that we need as many original songs as we can get, because if we've got that many, why do we need sequels? But I would, I agree, Peter, that I think the idea of taking like half of the composition that they've done, they've sort of like threaded the original Technoir's motifs and themes and then danced around it, adding new sections of reinterpretations of it, yeah, which it's, it's instantly familiar. And that's the thing that, a bit like the movie reboot culture, is that what you get with a song like Technoir 2, if you've heard the first one, and obviously it was a big track on the first album, so yeah. a lot of people are very familiar with it. There's something so nice about putting a brand new album on and hearing that familiarity and going... Oh, I know how this one goes, you know, but then you don't because it you all don't. changes. <laughs> it 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 lures you in like it's gonna be a like a the same song with different words, sort of, and some different bits. But that's not how it goes. That the chorus is very very different, and the like all the trimmings are very different. But there's that initial verse motif that you was talking about. That's right at the start of the song and in the second verse as well. That just make it, it makes you think, oh my god, this is Technoir. And then it's not. And that's what's genius about it. Yeah, I mean, the full album's very catchy. And it's it's a little bit like we was trying to say, like, like when we was thinking about the, the three gunship albums, Dark All Day doesn't necessarily feel like the odd one out, but it definitely is, like the title suggests, a lot darker. Yeah. A lot more brooding so, and uh, a lot heavier in um, instrumental. What um what I really connected with on Gunship's first album was that sort of arcade sort of feel. Very, it had a very optimistic feel for the most of the album. Even though Gunship do some quite dark sounding compositions, um, as you're saying. So Dark All Day, I really liked the album, but it got like like with Thrasher and stuff. There's a heavier, slightly more eternal, slightly more sci-fi sound to it that I don't. I don't like connect with as much. I feel like Unicorn, it sort of straddles the line between them both. And I mean, like songs like Doom Dance as well. They've got like some sort of weird, bizarre party energy to them as well. Yeah. Doom Dance is like, it's as upbeat as it is like broodingly heavy. And, um, you know, across the full album, there's a lot of like TB03 acid sort of like baseline sort of tucked away there that you wouldn't really think sit well in this sort of genre, but they are there when you, when you listen to I think because TB3 style stuff, acid stuff and techno stuff are all staples of cyberpunk as a genre. So because they're like cutting down the middle with the synthwave and cyberpunk thing in places, or they definitely take inspirations from both, don't limit themselves, they can just thread it all together and it somehow works. But you can they also use a lot of like quite heavy guitars as well, which which is um an interesting uh sort of combination too. 
it's not so like different that it's shocking, but I think it's just that the way gunship apply the the sort of like your three pillars really. You've got your cyberpunk, your synthwave, and your rock. They sort of blend all three elements in like thirty three percent, and then you end up with like a, almost a seamless transition through some of the genres because you you know it doesn't really go from a rock song to a synthwave song to a cyberpunk song. They're all sort of all three at the same time. And that's what's so sort of good, but also strange about it. Particularly with songs like Taste Like Venom, you know, you could you could imagine the way it's paced, you could imagine Hall & Oates doing Taste Like Venom. It'd sound very different, but they could do it the I way. I feel like Hall & Oates is like what you want to say if you hear a song like Above a Certain Tempo. You're like, oh, it but, could do but that. But it's got that rhythm to it, that that what I associate with Hall & Oates, that type of rhythm. And, uh, you know, like I say, that, that a lot of people seem to be doing that, that almost like the Manny to beat, basically. Yes. Um, a lot is of that not like a, a soul? It will like, be. It will be derived. soul standard. It will be derived and there'll be a name for the drum beat. But because I'm not listening and I'm not researching it right now, I, I can't think of what it is. Um, it'll be something really, you know, simple at its core as well. Like yeah. it'll just be a, a beat with a shuffle on or whatever. Like a little bit of swing. definitely feels Motowny does the, like if we're going to Hall and Hurts and, and like Footloose comes to mind. Don't know how similar that is off the top of my head, but, but that's the same tempo, the same... What gives it the feel is the over-exaggerated 80s production. Like when Hall & Oates did it, the drum kit just sounded like a drum kit. Yeah. But retroactively, you listen to Hall & Oates and you think it's 80s, so we need a big gated snare. We need a boomy kick. And then it ends up like getting the modern 80s treatment where it's like even bigger, even subbier. And then it hits like a brick. And then you listen to Hall & Oates and go, oh, this doesn't sound like what everybody's saying. But really, it's sort of derived from that. Yeah. To me it is anyway. That's what I associate when I hear that type of rhythm. So the question, the the ever-present question is, is Synthwave heading to be a mainstream genre? A bit like sort of where drum and bass has found itself, where it's been counterculture for so long. And then at a certain point, particularly in the UK, it's sort of become pop culture i feel like the way drum and bass is constantly played on radio one and it's just one of it seems like one of the core pillar genres that they seem to always be peddling on radio one yeah it definitely if you're if you're tuned into radio one and you're tuned into the massive drum and bass scene you're gonna feel like it is a pretty big genre in the uk you know, I challenge anybody listening to put Radio 1 on a not hear a drum and bass song for like three hours. Oh, yeah. They're always playing drum and bass on Radio 1. They, they do. They do play it a lot. And with that being the biggest station in the country, obviously, if they're playing a certain genre, people listen and go, I like that, and listen to it. And it, it sort of builds upon it as well. Yeah. And that's the more commercial side. And then obviously you have the full underground side that people are already doing. But it helps when you have that, dual marketing for a genre to make it big and that's really what synthwave needs is it needs that radio support you see there's a lot of different synthwave artists getting played on introducing stations and i can never wrap my head around that because a lot of them are signed and a lot of them tour and a lot of them you know they've, they've got 
audiences and then they're like well we'll we'll play you one saturday on introducing and i'm like what is that also they're playing the smaller synthwave acts but they're not going playing the bigger ones the big ones um and then it makes you question whether this is like uh you know is it you know do the bands have to like strike up a contract or a deal to get that airplay you'd you'd assume that with them being in the charts that they would get some radio play but it doesn't seem to work like that in general with radio like you can have a top 10 album or like um what was the band called who got a number one album um oh the ratings the ratings i didn't hear uh, right they got played they got brought in and got played once on radio one but they never got put on the c list b list or a list rotation so yeah not that i not not that that i'm aware of anyway but um, so, you know, it is an interesting thing. Radio and the charts or radio and what people listen to don't seem to really add up in the manner you'd expect. But... Um, was it this year? God, there's some albums. What are you looking at, Pierre? Uh, I would you say, was it this year? They got the number one earlier this year. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they've been this album, weren't they? What was the song? Oh, I don't know what the song was. I'm just trying to think. I mean, looking at the track listing, I can understand why Radio One's not trying to play it. It does come across as uh, explicit. Its own thing. Um, the visual style is uh, very different to what we've been talking about this week. I think it's catering though to a different audience to, to me well, and you, though, Pierre. Isn't it's it? also trying to be relatable. I suppose there's two aspects. There's being relatable through escapism, which is what Synthwave does. What the ratings sort of do, um, visually at least, is they are almost almost too relatable. Like they're like they're they're going for a very British thing. Like we're on if, the bus. <laughs> if you're not British, this ain't gonna make any sense. Yeah. yeah um, you're not going to understand the references, are you? That's the thing. Yeah, that's that's what... But again, I suppose then, if you're not British, you might look at these and they might be a bit like the way a lot of uh, British people see America. There's that law of, ooh, well, that's not what I experienced. It's so different, and therefore you want to check it out. You want to check it out. You want to see what's going on. I do think that with music in particular, a lot of people tend to think a lot higher of artists that they're listening to that aren't in their nationality because there's like a like you say part of that escapism but also part of that just um feeling like it's something different to listen to a different culture like it's funny to say but even if you're english listening to american bands it is like a different culture entirely and that's the same thing like that's why a lot of american bands listen to english music and english like indie scene and stuff because they can get a different take on a genre that they won't hear by other American bands because the culture's so different. It's sort of shocking how certain things don't translate either way or how certain things sort of sound so glamorous, even though on the other side of the pond, they're so mundane. It's like the country music thing. It's just not really a thing in England. It's crazy. There's a very small UK country scene with the shires and stuff, but it is very small. But would you not akin it slightly more to folk music? Yeah, well, it... they're saying it's UK country just just to market it. Interesting. Yeah, it's sort of. I mean, it can it can exist. It you can also have people who are who are sort of like actively influenced. I mean, Dire Straits come to mind. They do some songs that have very very country sounding sort of parts to them. Yeah, 
like the bug and stuff, it's very much rooted in country music. Um, yeah, but the thing is, is is this not the style where you're saying that country music by proxy has to be made by an American? It's sort of an authenticity argument, isn't it? It's that classic authenticity argument. You know, you can't have, I mean, you can't have country that's authentic if it's, you know, not from a certain place, I suppose. I mean, you can, you can, but maybe even if you are from New York or LA, I was if about you to become say, a country artist, you're going to be like, well, I'm based in Nashville. Could you be a country music from New York? Could you Could you be an artist who's based and does all the videos and everything in New York and still be classed as country? I don't, I don't know. I've, I can't think of any examples of that. No, because I mean, they're always in like, you know, like, the the uh, central area almost all thought, the time. At some point, if you are from New York, you will be based in Nashville, and then if you're if you leave Nashville, you would always have on your bio formerly Nashville based. Well, this and is this the, is what that's I'm saying. The law. It 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 sort of it's it's hand in hand, isn't it? That that's what I'm sort of getting at, and that's that's your dilemma. It's like with a lot of these genres, they're more visual as well as music. Like I feel like a lot of the synthwave artists who break out the video, uh, the visual style, they sort of lose that element of marketability in that scene. I think synthwave has more of a visual identity than it does a sonic identity, to well, be honest. Because the visual identity is so specific, but yet the sonic identity can be so many different things. Yeah. As it's, with cyberpunk, you know, you expect the city. It's like on on Doom Dance's single cover, you have the city in the background. You have the colours. You just have even like down to gunships font and everything. It all is screaming a certain thing at you. And the characters are on, on there are sort of screaming like nineties anime, aren't they? Or eighties anime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a, a real nostalgia trip. Because it's based off. A box art cover, I believe they said, but I can't. I can't remember. I think they didn't allude to which one it was. I think you have to know. You know, yeah, that's that's you have, the you have to know. Authenticity scanner is if you don't know, then sucks to be you sort of situation. Well, I don't know why is not by looking at it. But it's been a pretty good week for new releases so far as well. Yeah. It's nice to get a full album from a band like Gunship. I know we've been waiting for this for a long while. I feel like they they sort of announced it like almost immediately after Dark All Day, just saying Gunship 3. Uh, a bit like Bastille always does, where they show you like a hard drive and like Bastille 60, it, I mean Bastille almost, 4. It's almost like at the end of like the Disney shows where it says, this character will return. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, but when? And then it's like four years later, and they're like, this is the series, and you're like, I forgot now. That's the only problem uh, when the wait's are long. But obviously, this is a long, like, lengthwise, this album is twice as long as some of the other albums, by say, like The Main or whatever. Pound for pound, out. it is an album worth listening to. Because it's twice as long. Like, typically, albums have gone back to, like, that vinyl format in the 70s and 80s of being half an hour. And you've seen that, because obviously you've got 10 two minute 50 songs now instead of 10 four minute songs but obviously gunship's got 14 songs and then some of them are five minutes and stuff so it it's just a nice album length and an hour you know i think about 
10 years ago, you would expect an hour for every album. Like it was getting to that sort of point where yeah, a was. lot of albums lasted an hour. And now it's sort of because of streaming culture and radio culture, but also this comes back to the attention span of people. Can you sit through a five minute song when you've got all your friends waiting to put another two minute song on? Five minutes feels like a long time in a playlist. Yeah, it can do. Yeah. In like a DJ set or something. Yeah. Or even on radio. radio. Um, it makes a big difference and that's the type of thing that you're seeing so you're seeing songs getting shorter albums getting shorter it's funny to me that even when all the songs are two and a half minutes a lot of people go 11 songs yeah well you think you think you get 20 it would it would be easier to make them and it would be more beneficial like you said to fill the space on the album they'd get more stream revenue because they'd be what like 20 odd two minute songs yeah, yeah yeah which would all count for streaming instead i mean instead of having like 14 5 minute 30 songs or whatever yeah i don't understand why there ain't more when they do that but i suppose there's that full argument of trim it down so every like millisecond is a banger but i feel like that is not quite possible with music i think as well people think of an album as as nine to 17 songs roughly somewhere in that catchment radius a lot of people would say 10 to 13 songs is ideal but there are albums that are getting up there with like 30 and 40 tracks oh yeah like Migos had an album that had 30 40 tracks so I know I know that a few it seems to be more in the hip-hop field that they they seem to go for like that massive track list yeah I mean obviously like we say Richie Cotson had 50 songs for 50 that was one continuous 50 songs it wasn't split into discs or anything on spotify so you know they are there but i'm just saying like typically your average album that you would pick up in a shop would have 10 to 15 songs on yeah maybe 15 15 plus for for a deluxe edition but you would yeah. expect under 15 on on most albums and anything under eight songs is an ep as yeah. far as people are concerned whether There's the songs th- last 20 minutes or not it doesn't seem to matter like if you have thick as a brick by jethro at all which has like what 144 minute song on is that an album or an ep um well is it a single it's, it's it's technically a single technically it's a single unless you can break it into parts and then this is the 2112 argument from rush because people like, say that's like an album or is it an ep you know because it's got like if you split 2112 into one song it's got like five songs on yeah but I would still call it, I mean, I suppose here's, here's the thing that cuts this argument down nice and concisely. What does it stand for? Extended play, long play, the length defines if it's long play. If the song's 40 minutes, it has to be an LP. There you go. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Now, obviously, albums used to be a lot more free-flowing, but because of streaming culture, I think everybody's getting sort of beaten into the same type of release. You'd think that you could do a lot more with, streaming culture but i think it's just like tradition isn't it tradition dictates that people do traditional albums i mean people said the album was going to be dead but i feel like the album's more popular than ever bigger than ever 100 percent. but i also think though that there's like a release strategy like at the moment it seems to be about five singles before the album comes out so when your album comes out it's already like semi-platinum that's yeah. that's the strat it's, it's about inflating spotify statistics and, and any streaming statistics but it's about going yeah well this album already has 19 million streams and you go well it hasn't come out yet yeah 
It's but like, yeah, but the songs, the five songs that we've released off it have 19 million streams or that's more. That's the so. power of bending the medium. So by being able to collect the data and then store the data of the album in singles, the way that they do it, with the, was it, it's a U, UP, UPSC code, is it? Uh, something along something those like, like that. USC. No, I don't. I'm... For those who don't know, there's a code basically that straps the songs together. So if you're listening to a single, let's take Gunship for example. If you're listening to Taste Like Venom, and then you listen to Taste Like Venom on Unicorn, you'll notice that it has the same amount of streams as the single because they are tied together with a code, and that code means they are basically the exact same song in that in which, that sense. Which also is so baffling that a lot of people pull the singles off Spotify when it doesn't really do them any harm to yeah, have them there. That's true as well. Well, I think we've really got into the, um, particularly into Gunship's album, but it is a good album. And if you're into Synthwave and Cyberpunk, I would really recommend listening to it. It is fantastic. And I've been Peter. I've been Mark. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>